Wales Open, they're away in the Golden Slipper. There's a great start. And Mick, Mick Masque on the extreme outside is about the first out. Jack Boyle. Jagler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front. Jagler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit to Jagler. This Iron podcast is brought through. to you by Harness Racing New South Wales. Mitovite has been producing high-quality feeds and supplements for all walks of equine life for almost 40 years. Mitovite has become a household name in racing and breeding circles with products like Athlete, Formula 3 and Breeder, time-tested products in the breeding barn and on the racetrack. 26 thoroughbred Group 1 winners this season have been on a Mitovite feeding regime. From humble beginnings on the New South Wales Central Coast, Mitovite has become a world leader in equine nutrition. Infrastructure investment in the production mill and close attention to nutritional science keeps Mitovite at a standard of excellence developed over four decades. Check the website, mitovite.com or follow the Mitovite Racing and Breeding Facebook page. The Mitovite brand has earned the respect of horse people all over the world. Every once in a while, a horse bobs up at long odds in a major race simply because he or she gets the right run. Genuine pace of 4.08 was way over the odds at $61 in the recent Group 2 Shirley Turnbull Memorial at Bathurst. He settled down four back on the pegs from his second row drawer and enjoyed the cosiest of runs throughout the race. He got out at exactly the right time and exploded away to win by a widening 19 metres in a very fast mile rate for the marathon journey of 2,790 metres. For young trainer driver Matt Rue, the occasion was very special. He's had 4.08 in his care since the gelding began his racing career in 2015. He nursed him through the ravages of a broken pelvis as a three-year-old and has trained and driven him with great expertise ever since. His record stands at 100 starts now for 27 wins and 37 placings. Most importantly, he's the kind of horse every harness trainer dreams about. At 32 years of age, quietly spoken Matt Rue has already accumulated a record matched by very few horsemen of his generation. He's driven over 970 winners, while his big race record is highlighted by a Miracle Mile win on Baby Bling in 2011. Nowadays, he trains a team of 20 on the old Bathurst showground. He enjoys regular success on the Western Circuit and usually makes a statement when he comes to town. Let's see if Matt Rue has come down from cloud nine since that terrific win in the Shirley Turnbull Memorial. Thanks for joining us, Matt, on a Sunday morning. No worries, John. Pleasure to be on. Well, you've been all over the place. You went to Bathurst, of course, Wednesday night. You drove a winner. That got the week off to a good start. Yeah, it sure did. Uh, we had uh, the three runners in Wednesday night for the first, second and the third. And, uh, yeah, the little guy that happened to get up and get his first win, he was a maiden after 15 starts. So it was yeah, quite pleasing to get a win up with him. You start to think they're never going to break that maiden. Yeah, I know. And sometimes you start trying too hard and, and then, you know, small mistakes start to creep in in the way I was driving him. And, yeah, so just a lot of things were going against him there for a while and I was starting to think that his day was never going to come, but he ended up doing it in style. And it's uh, really pleasing for his connections. They've been super patient and uh, very supportive all the way through. And his name, Matt? Uh, his name was Kulani Courage. So he's not much of uh, not much of him. He's only a little guy and um, he, he tries his heart out. He's, uh, he's, he's limited, but he, he got the win that he deserves. You went to Dubbo on Friday night just for a bit of practice and you drove two winners. I think you drove a couple of horses for your dad, Ken. Yeah, that's right. We kicked off the night good there. Dad's uh, horse, Ideal Danny, um, probably numerically his form didn't look great, but Dad had been really bullish about his chances uh, lately. He reckoned he's, he'd been training sensational. So 
Mm. Uh, it's not too often he'll talk about horses like that. So when he does, you know, listen. And uh, he won quite convincingly. And then uh, we had a bit of an up and down night in between. I, nearly every horse I drove started favourite, I think. And sometimes their nights can go against you. Mm. Uh, but then we end up coming out in the last race and and winning it with a with a maiden as well called uh, Treacherous Kiss. She she uh, got her first win and won in pretty good style, so I think she might win a couple more soon. And she's by a stallion who's had a big rap on him for a couple of years now, Captain Treacherous. Yeah, he's really starting to hit his straps a bit now. I probably thought he might have been a shade disappointing early on considering the, the quality of mare that he would have attracted. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a, a champion racehorse. I was lucky enough to see him race a few times live when I was in America. And, uh, yeah, he was a... The top line horse, and th- there's no surprise that that he's uh, making it as a stallion at, at an elite level because, um, mm. yeah, he's certainly had a lot of talent. He's well bred himself. You were back at Menangle on Saturday night with 408, and we'll talk about that race a little later. But let's go back to the Shirley Turnbull, Matt. You see what a good horse can do with the right run. You couldn't believe that horse could treat opposition of that quality with such utter contempt he must have felt pretty good on the line yeah he sure did it was a, a huge thrill I, i've been fortunate enough to have some big highs in this game and that was right up there and and a lot to do of it is because of it's just him like he, he he's a big part of or he's been a big part of my career really and he, he's just a good a good horse and uh Going into the race, like his odds were, were silly. He should never go around in any race at those odds, really. Like, mm-hmm. it, I can't say I, I thought he would win the race, but I, with the right run, I, we really did think he was a, an outside hope because the only horses in the field that I thought that were superior to him or that could beat him mm-hmm. had, had all just been through an in and a minion series and they'd done quite a bit of travelling, therefore a lot of hard racing in the last month. Um, he was fresh off a, a bit of a break and only had the one run back from a spell at Dubbo and there was a lot of credit in that run. He just overdone it a little bit over the 2,500. Yeah. Uh, but that, that run and the trip away took a little bit of the sting out of him and um, he settled better at Bathurst. Mm. And um, I think that that's what the difference was. He was on fresh legs that night and some of them better ones were probably yeah. a little on tired legs, so to speak, and mm. and he was just a bit too good for him. But he had a good run and uh, – but yeah. There's no doubt he deserved his day in the sun, that's for sure. Go back to the broken pelvis he suffered as a three-year-old. Now, ever since then, you tell me, he's had a tendency to cross fire at top speed. He didn't do that before the accident, did he? No, he didn't. And uh, and what he does now, it's not bad, but now and again, he'll just touch himself up on his quarter there. Um, yeah, it's about the only thing that is a bit different with him between... Um, pre-injury and now um and I, we sort of always did say that if we'd have got him back in work and he, there was changes and if he didn't quite feel the same we wouldn't ask him to race on and put him through anything he wasn't comfortable with mm. um sort of noticed that pretty early on but he doesn't seem to show any discomfort while he's running and things like that and um yeah it probably is the only one thing that's a little bit different to him from when the injury happened and it's only a minor thing mm. Um, so I think as it stands, he's had about what's well, exactly 70 starts uh, since the injury mm-hmm. and he's won 190000 on top of what he'd already earned. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, terrific yeah. job. You know, he's the king of the castle at your place and I'm sure he knows it. He sure does. He's, um, like most horses, he's, uh, he's very smart. Um, especially horses that have got that bit of X factor around them. I think they are a little bit more switched on than your average horse. He he does know how to get away with certain things, and um, mm. he's very easy on his body. Uh, you get him out and go, go to put the equipment on him every day, and he'll have a huge big stretch every single day when you tie him up and just preparing himself for his exercise. And <laughs> um, yeah, he, he's very easy on himself the way that he, he trains himself and things like that. So he's, mm. he's got plenty of good characteristics. Well, you took him down for the Bendigo Cup after Bathurst, but he was never going to get the same run in that race because of the draw. Nevertheless, he finished sixth in a hot field. He held his ground over a last half of 54.5, 
and a final quarter of 26.7. In fact, he probably went every bit as well as he did at Bathurst. And then you came to Menangle on Saturday night and it was a nightmare. You drew 10, you had no option but to go back, you went to the pegs and you were in a zip fastener pocket going up the back straight. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, we, we were wrapped in his performance at uh, Bendigo. We sort of knew before we left with the barrier that we were going to struggle a little bit, but we thought we'd get in the car and head down and have a bit of fun for the weekend, and we did that, and we enjoyed it. Like, it was the first time I'd travelled into state with him, um, and we, we stayed down at David Aiken's at Avenal there, and, uh, mm. yeah, huge thanks to the Aiken family. They uh, really took us in for the weekend, and we had a great time and had a look around their place and seeing how they done things. Um, so, yeah, but we were wrapped in the way that he went, like you said, I think he's run probably parallel. He's run at Bathurst, really. Just things didn't go the same. And then, yeah, bringing him back home and putting him straight in this week is sort of not something I'd usually do with him. No. Um, but just looking forward, there's a really good race on at Bathurst here in um, the 12 days from today. It just mm. really suits his program to have him at his absolute peak to run two weeks apart. So... He'd had a really easy week between Bendigo and Menangle last night. We didn't really do much with him whatsoever. Mm. Um, like you said, from the barrier, we had no option but to do what we'd done. And then it really ran solid fractions through the middle there. And he probably wasn't travelling as kindly as he usually does. And I started mm. to second-guess myself thinking, oh, he's probably maybe yeah. he's not going to back up as good as I hoped. <laughs> so I probably yeah, drove him a little bit negative in the end and I half wish I had to come out because I think he would have finished off much better than I anticipated he was going to. But mm-hmm. anyway, he's come through the run good. We've got a horse to, ready to go for ne- uh, 10 days' time and, um, yeah, he'll run a good race out here then. Great. What's that race, Matt? Uh, it's called the Oberon Cup. So it's a mm-hmm. race that um, Bathurst... Harness Racing Club sort of dedicated meeting to the Oberon community every year. There's a, a lot of uh, Oberon trainers participate in our meetings here week in, week out, mainly with um, David and uh, Justin Reynolds and Wayne White and quite a few of them. Uh, mm. They all do a great job with the horses out there, them guys. Mm. So yep, they have an Oberon meeting and all the races are sponsored by um, local Oberon businesses. And um, he actually took out this race last year, so it'll be a 2,200-metre race worth, I think, 15,000. And uh, mm. it'll be a strong race. It, it won't be a walk-up for him. Um, mm. It'll be a much harder race uh, than he, than what he won last year. I think you'll probably find that Amanda Turnbull's two that Cornell had last night, Bunduran and Elmer's Image. And, uh, yeah, that'll I'd, I'd say, Yeah, mm. I'd say Bernie's still going well as well, mate, my Memphis and uh, the Mustang. So it'll be a, a really good race. Looking forward to it. Mm. Go back to his three-year-old year, Matt. This is a, an eerie story, really. He won the Bathurst Gold Chalice. He had no luck when fourth in a Breeders' Challenge final at Menangle. Then he won a nice race called the Mount Eden Stakes, and shortly after that he went for a spell. Now, he was only one week off a trial in his following preparation when disaster struck. You went to fetch him one day in his day paddock, and you knew he was in trouble. Yeah, it was one Sunday morning. He was down to trial the next day, and uh, he'd just been out for a, a quiet a few jog miles, and uh, he'd just been down in his yard like he does every day. And he was quite playful. It was quite windy on the morning of, and um, yeah, he, he, I sort of seen him go down, and he was just playing around and just throwing his head and bucking and that. And he went down, and I just seen him get up a little awkwardly, and um, so I went down to grab him, and um, yeah, he was. Sort of walking like a, a truck missing a centre bolt. It was <laughs> his hind his, his hind legs were well off centre to his front legs, and yeah, I'd never seen a horse walk like a crab before. I knew this oh, wasn't good, yeah. and um, mm. it yeah, took a fair bit of diagnosing, really, uh, working with some vets and that to start with, and they thought it was just some muscle tissue damage, and. Mm. Uh, a week or two went by, and now uh, we're going to have to look a bit further into this. And uh, so, um, yeah, Agnes Banks Equine, we took him down there and we ran a bone scan on him, mm. uh, scintigraphy, and uh, yeah, it, it, uh, revealed that he had a, a broken pelvis and a, along with that a fractured tailbone. So, mm. yeah, at, at the time, yeah, 
felt like my world was coming to an end, to be honest, because he had the oh, best, yeah. outside, best outside trained to date. And we really, you know, like coming into his four-year-old season like that, we, we really thought we could have had something special. And mm. um, there was a lot of unknown at the time. And uh, But, yeah, the vets and um, quite other astute uh, horsemen that would talk to you about it at the time always said he'll come back, like it won't yeah. worry him. But it, it was always in the back of my mind that he'd never be the same after it. But, um, yeah, luckily, he's been great ever since. Has he? What? Well, during that dark void in your life, you badly needed a horse to keep you sane. And you found one in a filly called Call Me Queen Bee, who was raced by a group of mates. She finished up winning 17 races in all, but she was a very good two-year-old match. She really excelled at that early age. Yeah, she was a very opposite horse to him early, really. Um, both done a super job, but she was extremely laid back and really had to make a go out and do everything that she'd done, that filly. But she was a gorgeous filly from the day we brought her from the sale. I just had to have her. Um, yeah, and all, all the way through that early preparations with her, we always liked her. And um, But it probably wasn't until she started racing that we realised that she had a bit above average ability once she got amongst other horses. Mm. Um, but, yeah, you're right, she'd she done a great job at two, three and four and, uh, yeah, she made the gold tiara final, was unplaced there and then she uh, won a, a heat of the Australian pace in gold and third in the semi-final and then was fourth in the final. So that was a mm. huge thrill for us all to travel down there and watch her race in Melbourne and, um, yeah, the, the quality of that field that night was uh just, yeah, really good, strong horses, and they, a lot of them went on to win a lot of money after that. Mm. And, um, yeah, she was a bit similar. She came back at three and was third in the Breeders' Challenge final and, and uh, just short of 100000 as a three-year-old, I think, so she done mm. a great job. 408 is raced by your great mate Ben Hagney, who, you tell me, has launched his own electrical business in Bathurst in recent times, and he's getting busier by the day. Yeah, he sure is. It doesn't seem too often anymore. He's jetting around here, there and everywhere. And um, Yeah, so Ben's always had a couple of horses in the stable and we've been best mates for a lot of years now. We used to kick around, travelling around everywhere, driving horses. Ben used to hold a driver's licence and we'd be getting around everywhere back in the day and mm. doing a lot of driving. And um, Ben sort of went uh, the other way. Uh, we always was doing his electrical uh, apprenticeship at the time. Mm. Um, and then years later on, he ended up making the decision to, yeah, to go out on his own way. And, uh, yeah, like any young bloke getting out having a crack, he was pretty worried about it early on. And, um, yeah, mm. it couldn't have worked out for the better for him. He's doing great and enjoying himself. Hard work pays off. Yeah, that's right. He, he didn't get there um, quickly or anything like that. He really knuckled down and got into it and it's working out. Now, mate, let's see how it all began for you. You grew up in a beautiful little township called Canoundra in the Lachlan Valley, a stone's throw from the long-gone Red Shadow trotting stud, where the champion pacer Halwes was foaled in 1959. Halwes went to Tasmania as a weanling, but th there is absolutely no doubt he was born on the Red Shadow stud just across the road from the place where you grew up. I'm sure you grew up, in fact, with the legend of Halwes. Yeah, well, um, funnily, I, I wasn't actually aware of that uh, until uh, the other day, John, but, um, yeah, that's an interesting stat. would literally only be about two kilometres from where I, yeah, spent the first 20 years of my life, actually, so must be something in the water out in Morbell Way there. <laughs> Your dad, Ken, always had a couple of horses in work, and your interest was sparked at a very early age. Now, you tell me you were totally besotted with harness horses from six or seven years of age, and I mean besotted. Your interest was deeper uh, than most young blokes of that age. Yeah, it was pretty much. Um, just infatuated with it from a young age, and um, funnily enough, though, it was quite timid of horses. I, I was pretty frightened of them. Uh, through them early stages, but I, I just wanted to to be with them so much. I just gradually grew out of that and wanted to do it a lot, you know, and um, 
just gradually got myself through that period there. Well, I'd always be around them, but I was just a bit standoffish. They wouldn't have to move too much, so I'd be jumping twice as far as them. But uh, <laughs> anyway, luckily we got out of that period. But um, you know, I just was so interested in it. And, and at the time, Canoundra was quite a big hub um, for hobby trainers at the time. Like you go mm. into the local trotting track there at Canoundra on a Saturday morning, the There'd be thirty horses on the track, you know. Yeah, um, oh, I remember. And, yeah, yeah, and that there'd be um, a lot, lot of elderly people there would have their one, two horses, and uh, mm. yeah, all the older guys were just always so great with me, and um, I'd be forever asking questions and things like that, and yeah, I was just taken by it, and yeah, I just couldn't get enough of it to be honest, and. Where I went to high school at and that, the trotting track was literally just across the paddock. I could see horses working all day and <laughs> things like that and, yeah, couldn't, couldn't wait to get it home and go and work by myself. Yeah. Your Uncle Greg is also an outstanding horseman. He's a good trainer, he's a good driver, and he is a superb horse breaker. You see him, don't you, every day now at the Bathurst Showground? Yeah, that's right. Um, Greg's barn backs right onto mine. Um He's a great mind to have around. Um, you know, if you've ever got a, a young horse or any horse for that matter doing something wrong, he's probably had 15 of them doing the same thing over a period of 40 years. So, mm. um, yeah, Greg worked uh, for Jack Hunt and for a number of years in Canoundra before he moved to Bathurst about 20 years ago now. And, mm. yeah, his main job out there was breaking in uh, all the babies and getting them up and going and as well as doing some training and, he always done, yeah, quite a lot of race driving back then. Uh, yeah, he broke in a lot of top-line paces back in those days between him and Wayne Hunt. And, and uh, yeah, it's mm. a, an immaculate setup out there. It's a bit of a shame to not see it getting used these days. But, mm. uh, yeah, it's ne- never far away for a bit of advice on a young horse or anything, that's for sure. Yeah, the Honan property was an absolute show place 30 or 40 years ago. It's on the River Road there, isn't it? I think he called it Kalani. Yeah, that's right. Um, I've uh, had a few stints of working for Wayne uh, not long after I'd left school and, um, yeah, just pick up a lot of things off hanging around with guys like that and uh, actually worked out there for a few months through the period that he was getting flight path going and that was mm. a, an interesting time. The horse cut sort of come from from not doing a lot all the way through to winning a breeder's crown and it was mm. uh, it was good to watch his progress all the way through and we yeah. Wayne done a super job of that horse. Flight path, yep. You know, just about the time you were getting ready to drive in races, a very special horse walked into your dad's stable, a horse called Miracle in Time. And you were in the right place at the right time and you won 11 races on him. Yeah, um, sort of outlines the way my career's worked out along the way, really. Um, I, I really have had a lot of luck at certain periods of my career there and... Um, that was probably the, the biggest kick along. Um, well, first of all, we had a mare called Lace and Whiskey when I first uh, had my first drive, it was on her. Lace and Whiskey. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, well, she went on to win six reasonably quick and then that she sort of flowed on into him and um, um, when we received him, he was just chipping around doing an okay job and then, yeah, we still, to this day, don't really know what it was that turned him around. And um, Was the driver, mate? The, was the driver? Yeah. You're being too modest. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. He went from Steve Turnbull to me, so I don't think there's any improvement. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he, he just went on a rampage. He, he, he was a wrecking ball there for a while. Um, mm. he, he probably gave me the, the confidence that that horse to to really go out there. And I probably went from a fence driver to... Um, to really going out there with more confidence in myself and saying, I'm going to win this race no matter what. So mm. um, he done a lot for me. Um, but like I said, it was um, just one of those points along the way that he really did elevate me and with the luck of him coming along, you know. Mm. Well, it wasn't long before you felt the need to move to a bigger stable because you knew by then your future was in harness racing and you joined a great horseman in Bernie Hewitt, who was working a big team of horses at a place called George's Plains, and Bernie gave you many opportunities back then. Yeah, he did, and um, it was a yeah great great uh, stepping stone for me along the way. Um, learned incredible amounts um, in a lot of different 
areas really as far as um well i didn't really have anything to do with young horses until i went there and uh i think working the young horses with bernie for all those years helped me horsemanship skills a lot which therefore made me a better driver i reckon um mm, mm. so yeah, just hanging around a guy like bernie you learn a lot like he's, he's a good teacher as well he'll explain things well um so yeah but he took me driving to a whole new level as well he, he probably he sort of encouraged me to be more to be more aggressive um and probably go out and, and win a race rather than wait for things to come to you Mm. Um, sometimes that can go against you. You might be a little bit too aggressive, but I think as it turns out, you win more races by doing that than not. Um, so it definitely took um, me driving to a whole new level and probably prepared, prepared me well for me, me next step later on, yeah. Mm. Well, around that time, your good mate Nathan Hurst was injured and his dad, Kevin, put a lot of race drives your way. You had your concession at the time, and you won a stack of races with Tullhurst King, Tullhurst Major. Bernie put you on Screamin' Seaman a few times. And uh, I remember you winning a race at Menangle one night on that pacer. But you came to the crossroads soon after when Luke McCarthy offered you a role at his new Cobbity stable. But by this time, Matt, for some reason, you had an obsession about working in New Zealand. All you wanted to do was get across the ditch. Yeah, that's right. Um, a lot of that probably started with my connection with Nathan and, and Kevin Hurst, to be honest. So Nathan had done a stint with Barry Purden uh, quite a few years back, mm. um, and he loved his time over there uh, during the period that Barry had Holmes DJ, and Nathan had quite a bit to do with him over there. Um and just touching on that period where Nathan was injured, that, they were astronomical for me really too because they really entrusted me with their whole team and mm. we had a lot of wins in that period and uh, we enjoyed a lot of success and it was great of them to, to put me up in that position. So, oh, a lot to them as well. Mm. Um, but it was, you know, talking to Nathan on a lot of them road trips about his uh, time in New Zealand um, that got me interested in doing that and, so Nathan was sort of uh, ringing a few people and looking around to, to get me a job over there. We weren't having a lot of luck. Barry was full and a few other places sort of weren't working out at the time. And mm. and um, my good friend uh, Aaron Williams, yeah. um, he, he was uh, Luke's foreman and they'd not long been operating out of the Sydney base, uh, probably three or four months ahead of me going down there. And Aaron rang me up one night and said, oh, heard you keen on moving to New Zealand. What um, Luke said, what about would you be keen on coming down here? Mm. I said, oh, I've, look, it would be a great opportunity, but I said, I've just got the heart set on going to New Zealand. He said, oh, no, that's fair enough. And so mm. that was the end of that. And, uh, yeah, a few weeks went by. I still weren't having much luck finding the right place where to go in New Zealand. Mm. I was actually out for dinner one night and, and Aaron rang again. And um, he said, oh, Luke just wants to have a quick yarn to you. Mm. And um, I'd known Luke, um, you know, just to say good day to him and things like that. He's a very approachable guy, Luke, and uh, mm. he's always good with the younger generation. And every time we're over at the races, he'd always say hello and things like that. Um, mm. And he just said, oh, Aaron said, you, you keen on going to New Zealand, mate? I said, yeah, I've sort of been thinking about doing it for quite a while now. And, and he just said, what do you want to get out of it? And I said, oh, I just want to, you know, advance me training and, and just have a look around. Mm. I just really want to learn a lot more in a small period of time. Mm. He said, um, said, I'll do you deal. He said, do you want to come down for a three-month period? He said, if if you don't feel like you're learning enough from me, I'll get you a job within two days. Mm. I said, oh, yeah, don't sound too bad. And he said, um, <laughs> I said, oh, yeah. I, 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 for some reason at the time, the, the driving wasn't, you know, interested me as much as it probably had in the past. And I said, look, mm. yeah, I'm keen to come down. And I said, don't feel like I'm coming down for drives. Like, I'll, I'll have drives, but mm. don't think I'm lining up to, um, to with me whip and me vest when I turn up, so to speak. Mm. He said, no, nah, no, nah, that's fine. He said, well, there'll be plenty of horses here. And he said, and Dad and uh, Todd and all that were still in Queensland at the time. So he said, no, nah, mm. it'll all work out. And It worked out uh, all right. You, <laughs> it's you, all you won at your very first drive for Luke was a winner a horse called I'm Hoodwinked, 
And then what a run you had. You won the, another Shirley Turnbull Memorial back then on Lightning Raider because Luke preferred to drive Roman Stride in the race. You got on Roman Stride later. You won about four on him, including a Canberra Cup. You won races on Mandy Rambo, our Cullen's Crown. You got sick of winning on that horse. Uh, <laughs> Garnet River, Ideal Scott was another one. And then eventually Luke wanted to send a big team of horses to Brisbane, about 15 all up, and he sent you away with them for quite some time. He had a lot of success, and I don't think you were even expecting to get a drive on Miracle Mile Day 2013 at Menangle. Were you surprised when Luke called you and said, you better get yourself down here? Yeah, it all did come as a bit of a shock. I... I sort of always knew I was a chance of coming down for the day uh, because, of course, the Australian Pace and Gold final was on on the same day and they qualified three Colts. Mm. Um, let us rock uh, let us rock them, all, all eyes on us and bling it on. And mm. I'd had a good association with the owners of uh, Let Us Rock Them in years gone by, even back in the Bathurst days. So Luke sort of said, if they all make it, you can drive uh, Rocky. And mm. they all made it and... Um, Rocky come out and drew one, and the other two drew bad. And I said, oh, we'll see how, how strong his opinion is here on it. I'll probably yeah. get shafted to the barrier 10 one. But anyway, <laughs> no, he, he stuck to his word, and I drove uh, Rocky. So that's yeah. how I end up coming down for the day because of that race, really. Yeah. Um, and Robert Morris had actually driven Baby Bling in the qualifier to get into the Miracle Mile. So I had no intentions at all yeah. of, um, of gaining the drive on her and uh, – to be quite honest with you, I actually found out that I was driving her on the on the radio when I was in Queensland. Because, Did you? <laughs> um, Chris Barsby was doing the um, mobile rolling show up there and um, just said it on the radio. And I get along good with Chris. I didn't know whether he was jamming up or not. He, mm. I, I knew he knew I'd be listening, but that's how I sort of found out about it. And mm. and wasn't long after that, Luke actually rang me and said, you're driving baby in the mile. And I said, I just couldn't believe it, you know. And, oh, no. Yeah, it's very mm. thankful, of course, yeah. Mm. Matt, just stand by for a moment. We're going to clear a commitment on the podcast, and then we'll come back and hear all about the SEW Euro Drive Miracle Mile, won by Baby Bling in 2013. Harness Racing New South Wales has established a much-needed initiative to help harness racing participants who are struggling with personal issues through these tough times. It's called Mates for Harness, and it offers a helping hand to anybody struggling with the ravages of drug or alcohol abuse, domestic violence or mental illness. Mates for Harness is there for anybody needing a helping hand. The support group is headed up by the very experienced Morris Logue, Chaplain Colin Watts and a sports psychologist Oliver Britt. Ambassadors are on standby all over the state. In the metro area, it's Darren Binskin. The Hunter, Peter Allen. The Northwest, Leanne Flower. The Western Districts, Amy Reese. The Riverina, Seren Adams. And the Far West, Steve and Marie Robinson. If you need to talk to somebody, Mates for Harness can help www.matesforharness.com.au or ring Morris Logue on 0400 984 193. You don't need to be alone. Talk it over with a mate. Well, there were seven runners in that Miracle Mile. Belinda McCarthy had three of them. Now, you drove the rank outsider in the field, baby bling. Some of the owners didn't want you to go to the pegs. But that's where you finished up, Matt, and it almost certainly won you the race. Yeah, it certainly did. Um, the, the owners weren't adamant they didn't want me to go there, but that because of the small field, they sort of said, oh, we, you know, we, we sort of wouldn't mind if you'd stayed off and sort of threw me into a bit of a second, uh, two minds really, cause I, just because of the price she was and the, the her racing style, I had uh, sort of no intentions at all of staying off. And uh, mm. obviously... Um, didn't really speak to Belinda and Luke too much about it because I thought it was just pretty straightforward and things like that. And um, yeah, so but yeah, I sort of stayed off a little bit for the first furlong of the race, and then there was a um, little bit of trouble ahead of me. Obviously, the horse that you trained, John, sort of got tightened up a little bit. Uh, Chariot King. Yes, he did. Um, mm. And he sort of 
Chariot King sort of got spat back in my face a little bit. So I just sort of went to the fence to miss that interference. Mm. And, um, yeah, it, there's no doubt it won me the race for sure because um, when there was tiring horses later in the race, I got out um, unharmed uh, with, with a clear run. Mm. And, yeah, there was tired legs everywhere and I was on fresh legs. And, mm. yeah, it was an amazing feeling because I, I, I knew a long way from home I was going to win it. Mm. Um and yeah, it's a the noise from the crowd that day. I'll never forget it. It, it was just oh. absolutely unbelievable. And it's nine years ago. Quite incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, yeah, your absolutely. concession ran out after about two and a half years with Luke, and you decided on a quick trip to America with your partner Gemma Hewitt. Now you landed a live-in job with expatriate Aussie Noel Daly in New Jersey, and Gemma. Uh, found a job with a neighbouring trainer. Now, you had 29 drives in the United States. Which tracks are we talking about? The Meadowlands would be one of them. Yeah, Meadowlands were the majority of them. Um, another uh, track called uh, Harris Chester mm -hmm. and uh, another place called Pocono Downs mm. um, and another little uh, track called um, Freehold Raceway. So it's a lot, little... Uh, the class of horse at Freehold sort of not quite up to what them other ones were, but it's a mm. an eight hundred metre track and quite enjoyable place to race at actually. Mm. You didn't drive a winner in those twenty nine drivers, but you posted several placings, and one of those place getters was an old horse you'd been driving in Australia, Garnet River. Yeah, it was my old my old friend Buddy. His name was. Um, we had a good mm. association with him here. Uh, won quite a number of races uh, with him at Menangle and the owners heard that uh, we were looking to go over there and at the same time they were thinking of sending him over so they said, oh, we'll, we'll send him over to Noel and you can take care of him while you're over there. So that was uh, exciting actually to have a horse that you already knew a lot about that was going to be sort of meeting you over there at the same time and mm. um, so yeah, and Noel sort of let us uh, kick around with him and do a lot with him and it was a, a big throw, I think around two seconds on him at the Meadowlands. And, uh, mm. yeah, it, it was a, like you said, I didn't drive a winner, but I had a lot of fun doing it. Like the mm. the experience that I got to drive against, like Tim Tatrick and Corey Callahan, Brian oh, Sears. Couldn't pay Danny for it. Ginger. Yeah, it was just, yeah, they're the, literally the who's who of harness racing. And they were uh, really approachable guys. Um, it was very different to read the form guide and that over there. There's a lot of different mm. things, and they just got like symbols in the book as to where they were sitting in the run and things like that. And mm. you go and talk to them guys to find out about horse characteristics and things like that. Though, yeah, it was a, yeah, just crazy. Really, it was a, a great mm. period, that's for sure. Mm. By the time you got back to Australia, Bernie Hewitt was in desperate need of some help. But this time he was happy for you to work a few horses of your own from his stables. And that's how your actual training career began. Yeah, uh, well, Bernie's uh, busy all year round, so he always needs extra help. And, um, yeah, we got back, um, sort of kicked around with between six and eight horses of mine there. And, uh, um, yeah, we, that's sort of where four I come into play out there, really. Um, but yeah, just working with Bernie and had a small number of horses and got uh, doing a lot of driving again, actually. So them first couple of years back, probably for the two years, I probably had the most drives I ever had. With, you know, eight nine hundred drives a year, and um, mm. yeah, a couple of couple of hundred win seasons there. So they were good times. Mm. Well, sometime later, you and Gemma were married and the decision was made that she should assume the role of trainer for your stable while you drove in races on a freelance basis. And drive yeah. you did. By gee, you, you quickly <laughs> forged connections with many, many stables. You had a colossal run. Yeah, they, they were great years, though. We did a lot of travel, um, and there was a lot of support from trainers here, like, uh, Peter Trevor Jones, who drove a lot of winners for Pete and uh, mm. Barry Lou, and you name it, here, there, and everywhere. And obviously, drove a lot of winners for Bernie at the time, too. And uh, mm. yeah, a lot of success was had. And it's a lot of hard work, too, as you know. Like, there's plenty of tired mornings getting up and heading off to the races again. But um, mm. yeah, the horses, uh, 
of our own, but they were in uh, Jammer's name. It yeah. did help with my driving at the time, but also, you know, every step of the way that I was working the horses, she was there and had a lot of a lot of input in it too. Mm. Well, your marriage to Gemma ended about three years ago, and she has subsequently forged a very successful training career of her own, operating from her dad's property. She's been around harness horses all of her life, Matt, and it's no surprise uh, she's developed into a very capable trainer. Yeah, that's for sure. She's uh, grown up, learnt to work hard, and that's one thing she does, and um, she's got a lot of natural skill uh, with the horses, and um, absolutely no surprise at all that she's out doing wonderful things with the horses and uh, doing a good job, and mm. yeah, she'll continue to do so. She's a hard worker and um, knows what she's doing for sure. You've got two special people on the team at the Bathurst Showground. One of them is Aaron Williams. You mentioned him earlier. He may have been working for Luke during your time there, wasn't he? In fact, I think you said he's the one that rang you and talked you into going there to Cobbity. Yeah, that's right. Aaron had previously worked for uh, John McCarthy in Queensland uh, before Luke had ventured down here years later. So. That's how that all come about. But, yeah, Aaron works for me now a um, handful of hours a day. He also does um, a lot of breaking in, uh, especially mm. around the year on sale time. And, yeah, Aaron's a, a great horseman and another, another just a great mind to have on the team. And, um, yeah, mm. we work in together here. There's, um, yeah, he sort of works with me rather than works for me, if you know what I mean. It's a big team effort. Mm. And, um, yeah, su- super um, person to have on your team. Your other key team member is Daryl Jones, who's in his mid-70s, but you tell me he runs around like a yearling. Oh, can't stop him. Yeah, try to. I, I, I've actually given up on telling him to slow down. Um, that's just the waste of breath, that is. And, um, yeah, honestly, <laughs> totally lost without him. Uh, Daryl and his and his wife, um, they do a bit of travelling from time to time. They get in the car around and off they'll go. He could be away for a Mm. couple of months on end, and he always finds his way back to 2795. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet he um, does, yeah. But, yeah, we love having Daryl around, and, um, you know, he takes a lot of pride in what he does, and um, mm. you, you learn a lot about life off people like Daryl. He's a really genuine man, and um, mm. no one gets more excited about 4 8 winning than him. Yeah, that's lovely. You tell me he can handle any horse chore, and he can fix Anything around the place that needs fixing. You know, Matt, I'm very envious of people like Daryl. Well, me too. I'm I'm very lucky because I I can't do anything hands-on as far as mechanical or fixing wheels and things like that. I can do it if I really have to, but I'd rather not. <laughs> um, but uh, Daryl's just unbelievable with things like that. And uh, Daryl just does the morning shift here, but quite often of an afternoon, you'll be here fiddling around doing things, and he'll turn up and he'll say, oh, I heard the wheel bearing on the jogger playing up this morning, and he'll just come and change the wheel bearings in the wheels. And that, that is jobs that, you know, you don't get time to do them before they're really gone, and mm. yeah, it's a huge part of the stable. So he can hear uh, a bearing starting to growl a bit, and he fixes it before it gets too bad. <laughs> he sure does, and even if I heard the Baron making a noise, I probably wouldn't know, wouldn't know what it was anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Your partner is Maddie Young, a very talented race driver herself who spends a lot of time around the stables. She works another job too, though, doesn't she? Yeah, uh, Maddie's involved in administration kind of work at the, at the moment. Mm. Um, like you said, she's a very capable driver. She actually won a ride in the Star Series there, going back quite some time now. Um, and just there, oh, in the, the last winter, she had a, a stint up in uh, Queensland with Ricky Ouch and had a good time up there with her horse mm. called Life Lavros. I they won four or five. And, um, yeah, yeah, she's um, quite a capable driver and, and loves mm. the horses as well. You must be duty-bound uh, to throw an odd race drive her way, I'd imagine. She won't be getting on 408, though, will she? Oh, you never know. I'm probably... I actually get a thrill out of other people doing things with him. Um, uh, I think one thing we've got to mention, too, is that the the big part of um, my operation that Tom Pays played along the way. Tom worked for mm. me for five, for five years, and um, mm. no doubt probably the stable wouldn't be uh, what it is today without Tom's efforts over the years. Mm. Um and it's one thing I do get a kick out of um, is Tom driving 408. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't got a win on him yet, but it's one thing I'm uh, determined to do is for Tom to win a race on him. Mm. Um, and um, so, yeah, but yeah, we'll, we'll uh, give Matty an opportunity there one day as well. I, I actually mm. get a, a good kick out of seeing other people drive him. Mm, they sound like they like him every bit as much as you do. Yeah, they do. Um, Tom mm. actually had a lot to do with the training of 4 right when he worked here for those years. Um, Tom's a incredible good judge of a stopwatch and um, mm. a lot of the times back in the day, not so much now, 4 I had to be worked on his own a lot and um, mm. I just used to let Tom take the reins and um, he'd go out and work him and it was good for Tom. He learned a lot uh, by working him Yeah, and um, I actually used to like watching him work a lot too so it worked out good for both of us and um, mm. yeah, they got along good and yeah, Tom's a great young kid uh, going ahead in this sport and um, yeah, our time together here was great. Great. You won a string of races with a horse called Ziggy Rocks. Uh, in fact, you were often at Menangle with him and you often greeted the judge, but at the height of the pandemic last year, you decided to leave him down there with Kerry Ann and Robert Morris. Yeah. Um, so Ziggy was a pretty unassuming little horse. We had him as a three-year-old. He, he won a maiden three-year-old and then hurt himself coming out of a swim one day. It wasn't a serious injury. He went out now to break and um, his owner, of course, a uh, prominent owner in the sport, Daniel Cordona, mm. Called, called a handful of months later and said, oh, Ziggy's ready to come back in. I said, yeah, no worries. And I just thought it'd be a matter of working him up, winning probably two races with him. And uh, Daniel has quite a number of horses in Queensland at any one time as well. Mm. I thought it'd be a matter of moving him on pretty quick after he won a few. And the little horse just come back and just kept improving and improving. Mm. And... Um, we qualified a couple for one of those country series finals one night, and I chose to drive the other one, and Robert Morris drove Ziggy and mm. won by 20-odd metres, and he just <laughs> never looked back. He ended up winning, uh, well, we won seven uh, races at Menangle with him, and well, five of them were Metro level, and then, yeah. like you said, during the pandemic, things got hard to find races for him around here. Um, so me and Daniel both decided it was in the horse's best interest to move down to Kerry Ann and Robert. Mm. And uh, they've done a great job with him as well. I think he's definitely won two, if not three, again on a Saturday. He just loves mm. that track. Doesn't he? Um, yeah. And they, uh, between uh, Kerry and Robert and, and Josh, they drive him well, and um, he's doing great. And actually, when things the borders starting to open up again and things like that, Robert actually rang up and said, oh, um, you want Ziggy back? You know, it was, it was only the only why you couldn't bring him. Mm. And I just said, oh, look, it's in the horse's best interest to be down there anyway, saving travelling six hours a week, and he's better off just staying down there. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I still get a thrill out of seeing him going well because he, he was a lovely horse to have around and actually mm. went and said good day to him last night. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. Yeah. Now, Matt Punter's listening to us at the moment. We'll have the ears pricked, uh, hoping to pick up a hint uh, regarding a future likely winner. Now, you've got a horse there called Authoritative, who's very lightly raced. He's won seven from 18. He's obviously had plenty of problems. Yeah, well, he's actually still out at the moment. I'm not exactly sure of his immediate future. He had to have a good while out, but immense talent, that horse. He's got speed like not many horses do. Mm. Um, he will be quite a while off, off racing still at this point, but um, the horses, you just got untapped ability, that's for sure. Mm. Matt, I was trying to think the other day whether or not you had a race drive for me uh, in recent history, and I think you did. You may have driven a horse called High Five Mozza for me one night at Penrith, and that might be the only one you had. Oh, actually, I had two. I was trying to think of this the other day. Um, Mm. High Five Mozza was one, and he was the one I couldn't think of. Yeah. They they both ran second. Um, The other horse... Before I pulled the colours on, you, you asked me what did I know what the horse's name meant, mm. and I said no, and you said it was a a kind of potato. So I yeah. can't. I, the horse's name escapes me. Yeah, but I know it ran second, but you told me the horse's name was something to do with a potato. Well, his name was Dutch Cream. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you're dead right, and and that yeah. was a brand of potato. Grown and sold commercially in Tasmania. Funny name for a horse. He had a little bit of ability, but he was a hard-pulling little rooster. I'm sure you remember that. 
Yeah, that, yeah, for sure. Um, like, I, I'm, I'm glad you thought of High Five Moz's name because I couldn't think of it for the life of me, but I know they both ran second. But yeah, um, there you go, Matt. Um, there's no doubt harness racing is the only life you've ever wanted, and I think you're here for the long haul, aren't you? Yeah, I, I am. But there is times, um, bro. I, I do half toy with the idea of thinking about getting involved in other areas. Um, it's a hard gig, as you know, like a lot of travel, and I still love it now, but I just do worry later on when you're 50 and 60 whether you're going to be hmm. able to do the things that you're doing now. Um, yeah. I'll always be involved um, to a degree. There's no doubt about that, and, and years to come yet, I'm still going to be heavily involved as, as full-time. Um, but, yeah, I, I just wonder later on whether there will be something else for me to, to, to maybe try and be a bit easier on yourself later in life. But until then, mm-hmm. it's going to be full steam ahead and trying to find that real top-line horse, I suppose. So it's unlikely that you'll be doing a Brian Gaff and driving in an Inter-Dominion Trotters final at age 75. <laughs> no, that won't be happening today. I'd take my hat off to Brian. He's been a champion of this sport for double the, my lifetime span, so um, mm-hmm. there's a credit to him that he's still able to compete at that level over now. Mm. Matty, I've enjoyed our chat. Lovely of you to talk to us on a Sunday morning. Congratulations on all you've achieved. You're approaching 1,000 career driving wins at just 32 years of age. A magnificent job. Keep up the good work. Thanks, John. I appreciate your time. Matt Rue talking with us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. The catalogue for the 2022 English Classic Yearling Sale is now available. A total of 810 yearlings have been finalised for the sale, 600 in Book 1, 150 in the Highway Session, all to be offered at Riverside between February 6 and 8. 700 of the entries are Bob's eligible and there are Vobus, Westspeed and QTIS yearlings also on offer. There's an enormous range of proven stallions represented as well as first crop yearlings by exciting newcomers like Justify, The Autumn Sun and Trapeze Artist. The classic sale has seen unprecedented growth in recent years with 10 individual Group 1 winners since 2018. Eight of those have been purchased for $100,000 or less, while 14 graduates have won a million dollars or more in the same period. The classic sale gets the English show on the road for 2022 on February 6, 7 and 8 at Riverside. And the catalogue is out now.